everyone, and welcome to the Come Let Us Disciple podcast. I'm your host, Tom Neary, pastor behind Pastor Unlikely. Welcome to episode number three with Pastor Chad of, of The Word Ministries. We are so blessed to have you here. Pastor Chad has been a minister for 22 years in a number of denominations. You will hear from him on the importance of God's Word and really a lot of the problems that facing the church today. Pastor Chad is starting a new ministry in addition to his local church, reaching out to particularly pastors around the country, trying to help them to get back to the Word and get back to really their first love so that they can serve out of what the Lord has given them. Though Pastor Chad's ministry is specifically dedicated to pastors and helping pastors in their ministries, the advice that he has is so good, so passing on basically the structure that the Lord has for his church, choosing disciples, training them in the word, teaching them with the word of God, and then having them go out and multiply. So it's not just for pastors, it's for anyone who seeks to be a disciple and to make disciples, the heart of this podcast. I really enjoyed the interview with Pastor Chad, and I hope you do as well. So we're, we're here with Pastor Chad of, of, the, of the Word Ministries. Pastor Chad has been a pastor for 22 years at a number of denominations. You can contact him, hopefully after the podcast, at servantoftheword at gmail.com or on Twitter at of the word. Hey, Chad, how are you? I am doing great, Tom. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thanks for coming on and uh, sharing your, your wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I don't know if I'd put it that way, but thank you. I appreciate this time. <laughs> so as we were, we were talking, you, you have a real passion for the Word of God. Uh, what, what did you tell those who are listening how that came about and why, you, why you're so passionate about it? Well, sure. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, humility, um, not in the sense of, uh, of bragging about it. I mean, you can't brag about humility anyway, but um, but the idea of I was raised in the church. Um, I came from a long line of ministers who were very, pretty popular. And by the time I got to college, I really believed that I knew everything. And I know that sounds cliche, but I really did think that I knew everything. And um, in a preaching class, um, my preaching professor did exactly what I needed when he lectured me and called me out on the carpet in front of everybody for how ridiculous my ego and arrogance was. And it was from that point on, that was when I realized that I didn't know pretty much anything. And that changed how I approached the word. And so since that time, now that would have been about 25 years ago, since that time, my approach to scripture changed from um, I know to I don't know, that God, please show me. And that God has used other mentors and my wife um, to continue that process in me so that I'm always that teachable servant and I never approach his scripture as if I know, regardless of the training or education I have. So, so Chad, let me, let me ask you, you, you said that you had a real arrogance or pride about what you knew. And this, this can be very helpful for those 
who are listening. Where, where did that pride or, or feeling of that you knew it all come from? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think it would come from multiple sources. I believe it came, I mean, ob- obviously that, that comes from um, Satan and, and what he desires to do to take the eyes off of Christ. Of course, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the obvious answer. But but I, I think it, it, it came from getting the recognition while growing up in the church and the pride that I took upon myself um, of what, what type of family I came from. Um, the relatives I had who were popular ministers. I, I took a pride, a sense of pride in that where I would sit in the youth group even, or even as an elementary uh, child. I remember sitting there and just being so proud that um, I was different than everybody else because of that. And I, at the time, I didn't realize how ridiculous I was being. So I think it came from my interpretation, a poor interpretation of the recognition I was getting because of the family I came from. Okay, and, and, and sorry, that was, that was a broad question. It all comes from Satan, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but j- just for those uh, listening, you know, it, I, I think in your particular case, it came from your family circumstances. But I, I have seen it from the particular church people that attend. They become prideful about that or the, what they're doing in the ministry, or they, they simply feel that they know the Bible backwards and forwards. Therefore, they, they don't have to continue learning. Is that yes. kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And I, I would say I was one of them. What you just described is who I was. Okay. And, and I believe that it was the family recognition and it was also from that point forward when I when I first started into ministry, and, and, and it's still a struggle now, and it's always going to be a struggle, I think, for everybody. Anybody who does any type of type of ministry or service or preaching is always going to have this struggle when somebody compliments you. You know, how do you take that? And how do you remind yourself that it's not you that's doing it? You know, how do you not let it go to your head? But when I first started in ministry um, at a very young age, the first compliments I had, it was just kind of like, yeah, of course. In my mind, I'm saying to myself, of course, because that's who I am. I came from this family. That's who I'm going to be. And then what had to happen was God had to bring me to my knees. And was that the class when he brought you to your knees or or later during your actual ministry? That was the crisis moment that brought me to my knees was the class. Okay. That was when I really realized it and it did it took a long time for me to get over that event that took place in the class i was following the professor back to his uh, office after the class groveling asking for forgiveness and and no matter what he said i, I still wasn't I, I didn't i wasn't believing that he forgave me and I, I spent weeks after that just grueling over that whole moment um and i think that was just god working in me and then from then on, that was just kind of like the springboard. And then from then on, there were other crisis moments, but it was all related back to that one instance. Now, it, I, I talk a lot in, personally about, about choices that people make. It, it sounds like that was the big choice moment in your life when you had the decision to continue to be prideful or choose the path of humility. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I mean, it, it's it's hard for me to think of it in that way because it seemed like it was more, it was more of a... Um, like a no-brainer kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like it was so obvious I needed to yeah. change. But yeah, I think there, 
it, it definitely was a conscious decision. I mean, I, I could have easily said, you know what, this professor is wrong. He has no idea what he's talking about. And, and just walked away and just kept with swelling up my pride. But there was something in that moment and something that he did that God got a hold of me and, and really, you know, like I said, brought me to my knees. I'm thinking about for, for the folks that are listening who might not be in, in the uh, seminary class, but, but face the same moments. We, we all do where the choice is to really grab onto our pride and grab onto our sin, whatever is leading us in the, in the wrong direction, or just letting that go and just throwing ourselves at, at Jesus's feet. And I find that right. life is God offers that to us over and over again when we're headed in the wrong direction. It, is that something that you've seen in, in your ministry? Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest struggles in our in, in my own personal life as I've shared, but also I've noticed it in others that, that I pastor, especially in our culture today. And I don't want to get too much on my soapbox about our culture today, that there, there's just so much, my assessment is, there's just so much pride and arrogance in our culture today. And there's so much about, I must have things my way. I must have my rights. I'm the only one that has the answer. It's I, 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 I. And I can't remember the, remember the last time that I heard somebody in public who made a statement that would be something to the effect of, um, I know that I don't agree, but you know what? He's the one in charge, so I'm submitting to him. Yeah. And I, I, I have not heard that. And, th- and that's the concern. And one thing that I've noticed, I was just at a pastor's meeting this last week, and I go to a lot of pastor's meetings, but this one in particular, they had all of us pastors get into tables and, uh, and they asked us some questions to discuss around our table, uh, talking about our particular denomination. And it was just interesting. I kind of just took a step back and just listened, and I didn't really participate much. It was just really interesting how many weren't really listening. Everybody was pretty much talking, um, trying to get their say in instead of actually sitting back and actually being teachable and trying to learn something, which is what I think happens at times for pastors. They almost treat it like any other profession that, hey, I graduated. I know it. I'm the one that's teaching now. I'm not the one that needs to be taught. And is that a big part of your coaching uh, ministry to two pastors? Trying to get get them back on, on yes. that track, teachable. Yes, yes. It's um, the the focus of of the word ministries. What I what I personally believe separates that from your typical pastoral coaching is that the specific focus is on pastor's spiritual development. So we we can deal with the issues that you're going that are that you're facing as a minister in your church, and we will. And we can talk you through those things um, as far as, you know, how do I respond? I just had this meeting or there's power struggles, there's conflicts, all the different things that a pastor will face. But at the bottom line of it is going to be the focus of where are you at in your walk with Christ right now? And specifically with of the word ministries, where are you at in the word right now? Where, what is God teaching you right now? And when we ask that question, I try to shy away from the answers of, well, he's teaching me um, to to uh, have a new building program next year, or he's teaching me to put put together this new outreach emphasis. No, we're, we're talking about something personally, like what is God teaching you? Even as a pastor, what is he saying to you that he's asking you to change? What behavior is he pointing out that he's convicting you of 
that you need to change. Oh, and I, I agree with you so so much just about being teachable and being filled. I mean, how, how could we as pastors give anything to anyone if we're not being filled on a daily basis by the, by the Lord through his word? I, I've seen a, a church where they were not, it was all programs and encouragement from almost a, a corporate training kind of perspective. And I, I felt bad for those guys. It seemed like they were just being ground into dust just by working and trying to encourage other people, but not really in the word. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think that over the years, you see the consequences of that in, in many ways. I think that one of the things you see is we hear, you know, the 80s scandal with the Bakers and Swaggerts and so forth. And then just lately over these last, I don't know, five, six years, some of the real top pastors have had accusations. And, and I know, you know, there's always that question, is it true? Is it not? And I would never want to be in that position. But I, I look at it and I just wonder, is is what I'm talking about the reason why we're having so many pastors falling or not even just falling, but but leaving the ministry because they're not they've forgotten about their own spiritual focus, their own spiritual development. So I think I think that one of the things that we do with Of the Word Ministries as we coach and guide pastors, it's almost, in, in some ways, it's like insurance, in some ways, if you stay with me with this analogy, because sure. it, it, it's like, you know, you buy insurance for your car, but then you wonder, do I really need this? But then when you're in an accident, you're like, man, I really need this. And it's kind of the same thing with pastor spiritual development. You know, do I really need this? I think I'm okay. But then a, a crisis happens, man, I really got to have this. So it's like we want to, of the word ministries, we want to head that off. We want to head the crisis off and focus on what needs to be focused on so that pastors don't fall into those various traps pastors can fall into because no, none of those pastors that I know of that have fallen ever planned it or ever said, you know, hey, you know, 10 years from now, I'm probably going to have this happen. So we're not, we don't know what's around the corner and our own spiritual development's the most important thing. Um, otherwise, it's going to happen to any of us. So do, do you think that the modern church has, has lost sight a bit of the expectations for, for pastors? You, you, uh, yes, on the personal level? Personal level and even just sort of structure level. You know, Jesus, when at the Last Supper, does, does the the feet washing, and then specifically tells us as servants to do the same for everyone else. Yes, I, I, I see what you're saying now. I just, I was having a meeting here with our staff, and one of my staff mentioned yesterday, they said, being a ministry in our culture, you're a celebrity. So like, you know, you're a small celebrity or a large celebrity, but but you're a celebrity. And I never really thought of it that way, but you're looked at somewhat as a celebrity, almost like in a, in a, in a politician sense. So the expectation level for you as a celebrity is you don't have any weaknesses, that you you need to always come across as if you have it all together. Where I got what God has done in me is he has not actually permitted me to do that, that every time that I preach, I am preaching to myself. Yeah. Amen. And every single time I have never been able to preach without preaching to myself. And the the beauty of being able to stand before a congregation and say, folks, I'm convicted of this as well. God is just when I was studying it this week, God just taught me this. And I'm right now in this moment, I'm convicted the same way that you are. And so God is teaching me this. And I think that's what people are longing for. They, they long for the authenticity of something like that. Yeah. 
And I, I think that we tell people to do things, uh, be authentic, be true, be honest, be open, be, be open to the word, the Lord convicting us. And then pastor culture kind of turns around and says, you can't tell anybody that you're actually open to any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, and, and there is, I guess you could say there is somewhat of an extreme to it. I mean, you don't, you don't want a pastor that's up there that's always talking about, um, everything he's doing wrong and there's never a change or ever any improvement, uh, of course, um, yeah. you know, n- nothing like that. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but it's, 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 I think it's mostly if, if a pastor is focused the way he's supposed to be in his own spiritual development, then you're not going to have to tell him to be honest in front of his congregation. Yeah. You're not going to have to teach him how to be transparent. It's just going to come out because that's where he's at because he's living what he's preaching. Sounds like a, put simply, keep keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. If we have him in clear sight, then this stuff comes naturally. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you, you've been a pastor in a number of, I think, a number of different denominations, right? Uh, yes, uh, two two denominations and then one independent. Okay, and, and four separate churches, was that correct? Yes, and correct. Did each of those churches have a different personality? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There were differences... Um, we had a, uh, there were three of the churches were known as what you would call a troubled church, which if anyone isn't familiar with that term, that usually means that if the pastor knew what he was getting himself into, he would never go. And in two of them, I wasn't even aware of it before I uh, went in until afterwards at, you know, a denominational event. My first event I go to, we're talking and where are you at? And I mentioned the name of the church and they say, oh, like you took that place, you know, so it, it was known and I didn't know it, but there were similarities with those troubled churches. And I, I would say that the, the strongest similarity with those churches in crisis that I dealt with is exactly what we're talking about here, that they had come to the place in their own adult walk with Christ, that they didn't need to go any further. And they weren't teachable anymore. Now, the biggest emphasis now was let's get out to the lost, which is fine. We're supposed to reach out to the lost. So, yeah, so like the the one church, I actually had a lady in the church. This is something that just stuck with me ever since I started a ministry, because this is in my first church. And she was a senior citizen. um, And I found out that she had been an ordained minister, actually, for a while. And she even traveled around for years and preached. And... I remember one day she told me, she said, I don't bring my Bible to church anymore because I know. And, and you know, when, when that is the atmosphere of a church, how can you reach out if God still isn't actively teaching you something? Yeah, and I, I'm always reminded of slogan of a local church, but I'm sure they didn't say it first, that, that we, our church is just, just beggars who found bread, who are who's trying to lead other beggars to it. Yes, I've heard the same thing, and I try my best to live by that. Just another beggar telling others where to find bread. So how did it go with the troubled churches? Well, um, the best thing that happened was um, I was able to focus on a remnant. So I was able to focus on um, a small group within the church who were teachable, and that's just where I ended up putting all my energy. And so I, I don't have any amazing turnaround stories, like all of a sudden everything went great, but built long-lasting relationships that way. And in many ways, I feel like God was using me to using me and my wife 
to protect some of them from what the other what, what the other church members were conveying. So I, I had a, a district superintendent at one time who even made this suggestion. He said, if you if you're passionate about something for your church as a pastor and you just can't get it through, like they're not on board with you. He said, if you can't do it, then do your best to build a church within your church. And the example he gave was that he would meet with certain ones early in the morning before they went to work that he knew were like-minded, and they would just share together and pray together. And that was where he put his energy for his ministry. And so that's what I started. I had one for a long time. I had a couple for a long time and and just just invested in them. And, and, and the main thing we did was we just studied the Word together. We just got together, studied the scriptures together, and just let God teach us. And and that's that's how we got through that. You mentioned that previously, and I, I thought it was such a great point that if you are facing a, a group or a larger group, whether at church or at school, and you're trying to change the culture, instead of trying to seek out everyone, seek out the, the teachable minority, and then pour into them and that'll multiply itself. I think that's a, such a great, great point. And, and that, that's kind of, I mean, it's what Jesus did in, in his ministry with Peter, James, and John, and then the original apostles, and then the disciples. You can't talk to everyone. You can't spend the same amount of time with everyone, but seeking out the ones that want to be fed and then feeding them Yes, exactly. And, and I think there's something to say there, as I mentioned about the, uh, the energy, where you're going to put your energy as a pastor, especially if you're in a crisis situation. You know, it can just take up all your time, thoughts, energy, stress. You know, and honestly, as I'm even saying this right now, I, God's teaching me because I'm dealing with just a couple things right now in the church. And God was just uh, teaching me this week about how, you know, taking up too much of my energy. I need to put my energy where it's not just not just the idea of productive, but but where it's where it should be, you know, um, not wasting, not wasting energy is the best way to put it. No, that, that, that's a good point. Uh, it, I mean, it's biblical with when the apostles appointed the deacons. So in, in your 22 years, it has, is there a common theme with people who are coming to church, who show up every Sunday, but just don't seem to be get, getting there, living the abundant life in Christ? Yes, um, and, I, and it may be cliche or maybe simplistic, but um, I fall back on the, where they're at in the Word, um, where they're at in the Scriptures. Um, and not just are they reading the scriptures, because you have a lot of people in churches that read the scriptures. But are they reading it for just information? Are they reading it so that they can, quote unquote, feel blessed? Or are they reading it because they really desire God to change them? And they're willing to admit where they're wrong and they're willing to be convicted. If without that, then there's no chance, there's no chance of growth, of moving forward um, and so that's why certain people become stagnant in their walk with Christ. I taught on uh, the Lord's Prayer over the weekend, and I, I was struck by this point, essentially, that back a step, I think, where Jesus talks about, hallowed be your name and uh, your will be done, your kingdom come. How that that's such a crucial question for us. When we read the word, do we read it for us? or to find out what our king wants for us. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Am I willing to change? Am I, and, and am I and am I willing to be go through something that's uncomfortable? Because it's uncomfortable to realize that you're wrong and realize that God um, desires to change you. You know, I, I think about the analogy that Jesus used often with trees. And when you talk about if you don't bear fruit and so forth and, you know, prune it now and then see if he's going to bear fruit, see if the tree's going to bear fruit. And I, I keep thinking about that. Like, what if we were trees? You know, if, if we were trees and the guy comes along and he prunes us, that's not going to feel good. You know, it, it's, it's not going to be something that we enjoy, so to speak. And it's going to look like going backwards, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it's going to be look, 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 it's going to look like it's going backwards. And like, what are we really going to be accomplishing from this? But in reality, it's what Christ desires to do in us. One of the catchphrases or something I've used over the years has been that, you know, I've prayed so many times in my walk with Christ, since I've been walking with Christ, I've prayed so many times saying, um, make me like Jesus, make me like Jesus, make me like Jesus. And then as soon as he starts to do that, I get mad at him. <laughs> it's like, isn't there a way you could do this another way? You know, it's, and so you completely forget about the cross and that being necessary. You know, this is not a glamorous thing that we're talking about here. This is something that's definitely joyful, but it's something that's not going to feel good yeah. because there's a lot of changes that he needs to make in me. Make, make me like Jesus. Do, do you remember Jesus was a servant? Do you remember Jesus had, had no money and, and no place to lay his head? Do you remember that Jesus yeah. was, was crucified on the cross for, for something that he did not do? Right, exactly. Oh, our, yeah. our flesh rebels against that so, so strongly. I, I was reminded of this when... I was cleaning the parking lot of our church, and it, it was an old Chuck, Chuck Smith I always used to talk about it, how when he was out there in the parking lot cleaning up cigarette butts, how it really tested his heart. And I heard the story, and I was like, oh, that's great. I get it. But I was out there and just grumbling, you know, who, who left this out there? And people in this neighborhood are, are inconsiderate and rah, 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 rah. Yeah, just, yeah. just realizing that if I really want to be like Jesus, why am I fighting against this? My heart should be welcoming it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, should be welcoming. And but yeah, but I mean, we've all been what you where you just shared. You know, we've all been through those uh, situations where we grumble, but yet Christ was disturbed at any moment, whenever, and He never had a problem. <laughs> you know, like um, when you go to the feeding of the five thousand and. And the disciples are getting hungry. And, and of course, they're saying the people are getting hungry, too. And, and I'm thinking, you know, does anybody think Jesus is probably hungry also? Because, you know, Hebrews tells us he experienced everything the way you and I would experience. So it's not like he walked this earth never getting hungry. But yet but yet at the same time, he just had this this way about him of, you know, I he saw that as an opportunity to teach the disciples to say instead of just, yeah, I got some food. Let's go. We'll make sure we do this. Hey, you give them something to eat. And they're like, what? We can't do that. And uh, I heard somebody put it this way one time that I'd, I'd rather have Jesus juggle lightning bolts on top of the steeple than to feed the 5,000 because if he feeds the 5,000, I may have to pass it out. You know what's funny about that, Chad? I, I, I had never thought about Jesus being hungry there until you just mentioned it. I've, I've never thought about it before because you're, you're so focused on, in a lot of the, the Bible accounts, we're so focused on the effect on us that we, we miss the other part of it. Jesus is there. He's right. a real person. And as you said, he, he's, he's going to be hungry. So 
So in a, in a, in a nitty gritty kind of way, this is a discipleship podcast. What is your formula? And, and I know formula is not really a good word, but there, there are certain disciplines that we can do as led by the Lord with the heart for the Lord to help us grow in the Lord. So what, what, is, right. what does that look like for you? Or if you're advising someone, someone says, hey, I want to grow in the Lord. What does that look like for them? Well, the, the first thing right away, I, I, w- I would go right to the scriptures and I would try to find out uh, like in my own, cause that's what I do in my own life. My own life is it's, it's the scripture first. And, and if I'm going through a trial or a struggle, that should be a signal to me that I need to get back into his word more. And if I'm advising someone else, which I've had many come in, that I've advised pastors as well as lay people, and I always say, I always try to see where they're at in the scriptures. And most of the time, the people that have come to me, when you're talking about laymen, if they're going through a struggle, well, where are you at in the scriptures? Their answer typically is, well, I haven't been reading them lately. And that's when it's kind of like in my head, it's kind of like a hello, you know, like, so why do you think this is happening now? And so I walk them through getting back into the scriptures. So I have them read a, read a chapter of the Bible and, and say, just ask, ask, read it for a week and ask God, what, what is God teaching me through this passage? And what is he trying to change in me? And it's the same thing for pastors, but with pastors, it's, it's difficult because if you ask a pastor, um, where are you at in the scriptures? I mean, there's no pastor that's going to say, I'm not reading the scriptures or that I'm not reading or preaching the word. But it's, it's, so it's more, you have to be more specific where you say, so what has God been teaching you lately from the scriptures? And when the answer as typically is not much, then, then we start the same process with them and say, Hey, let, why don't you read first John chapter one for a week and read it like it was the first time you ever read it. Put yourself in the original recipient shoes that you're receiving this letter that John wrote and read it that way. And see and see what God has for you. You know, I mean, your education is great, your training is great, but you know, put all that aside for a moment and just just begin to just observe that passage and kind of make His Word a part of you and see what God desires to change in you. And re- read it for yourself, not to give out to someone else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Too many times we read it and we say, "Boy, I wish so and so would read this." <laughs> <laughs> you know, even that just. You read it and like, oh, that's a great point for a sermon, or that's a great point for an article, but that never hit right, your heart. Right. And, and do you work in prayer and quiet time and and fasting and in addition to that and in, in your recommendations? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but the clincher there is, but it, but those disciplines are not separate from sure, the scriptures. Sure. Yeah. That that um, that it would be something that would be an overflow from the scriptures. Um, so like, for example, it could simply be something where somebody's studying it and saying, you know what, just because I read this passage, um, I feel like God wants me to fast or, or I, I, I feel like God wants me to increase my prayer life, you know, something to that effect. So, so the, the word still is the um, root of those disciplines yeah. of what we're doing. Do you have a, a favorite book of the Bible? Yes. Um, I don't know if it would be, if I would say it's a favorite because it's, it's not like I was all of a sudden reading it one day and I just loved this book and I just decided it. But I had a mentor at one time uh, early on 
who this was after my crisis experience where I realized I didn't know anything. And he advised for me, he said, um, why don't you just start with a book of the Bible and just stay there and see what God has for you? Very similar to what I just shared about, you know, putting away your putting aside your education, so to speak, and and read it as if it was the first time. Read it as if you were the, the original recipient. And so I chose Luke and it was just amazing how his word just just opened up. And, and, and I, I realized it takes a lot of patience and that was 23 some odd years ago. And I'm still not done with the gospel <laughs> of Luke or studying yeah. it in that way. Um, because one of the most powerful things I have found is, is how deep his word is and not deep in the sense that you kind of, you know, make things up that aren't there. I mean, I've heard people that have talked about it deep in that way, but I'm not talking about that as much as as you are keeping it in context. You're you're doing the right word studies. You're making sure you're not making it say something that it was never intended to say. But what's happening is God is using those truths to work on you. And that's where the patience comes in, where you actually have to be patient and allow God to to work and to change and to teach you hmm. amazing truths. That, that's such a good point because we can manufacture things while while looking through the scriptures and the i guess it's the, like the gnostics with the secret revelation of, of each passage stuff that's just not even there yeah we have to be very careful of that but at the same time we want to be careful not to i i guess one of the things i would say would be that i've noticed that there's a tendency to bring our theology to the scriptures. Like I was raised in a theology or I learned this theology and I believe this theology. Um, so I bring that theology to the scriptures and I see all the scriptures through that lens of that theology where I'm saying, well, how about, what if we start with the scriptures and allow the scriptures to create our theology? <laughs> that's, that's madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If, if you do that, but the problem when you do that is, at some point, at least one time, if not several, you're going to have to admit you're wrong. You're going to have to admit your theology That's madness wrong. too. <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> my, my wife and I were just discussing this about the, we were talking particularly about the, the traditions of the church and the, the traditional expectations of on pastor. And we were just saying that that's not in the Bible. So why, why are we struggling yeah. against that? Yeah. We would do what the Bible says, not what people expect from. And yet the, the flesh also fights so hardly, so strongly against that. Yeah, and, and those expectations, all of those things that you face, you realize the reason that's there is because the people themselves don't mm. know what's in the Bible. And they haven't been studying it, even though they might be the old saint of the church been around forever have do they really know what's in that in the in the pages Often of no. the book I, I, I went to church, church yeah. for five years and i didn't I, I didn't open a bible i was i was listening but i never opened the bible to, for myself yeah it, and it's 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 something we can easily take for granted because it's like it's right there if we want it have you been married the entire time that you've been a pastor yes yes um uh, we we got married shortly after college, and then we um, began pastoring right oh, away. And um, and then through over, over the years, God has built a family that's we have three biological, and then we have um, five that we've adopted. Um, 
and that has been a ministry in and of itself. And I've learned so much through that, uh, through the family. And, and one of the things that, um, that God really has helped me with is I, I got into this practice of, especially on Saturdays, um, or throughout the week, um, but usually on Saturdays is I will go over the message I'm going to preach on Sunday with oh. my kids and, and I use them with that. And it's so much fun just to uh, hear their responses. And, you know, I do that to make sure I'm getting, I'm clear enough and that the young people can understand me and so forth. But, but also I, I started that practice years ago was because that was my heart was I wanted them to I wanted them to start getting into his word. And, you know, there's this recent Bible study that my kids have been doing. Uh, I forget the name of it now. Um, the, our children's director recommended it to every family. And, of course, my kids have been raised been raised around the Bible. You know, that's just been what we've always taught. But I really, and there's, so there's very, there's not many studies out there that I recommend when it comes to children. Um, but this one I really like because it had it, it had the child read a passage of scripture and then after each day, when they read this passage of scripture, they, they answer three questions. And the three questions were, what is the passage about? What do I believe God is trying to teach me? And how can I show others this truth that God has taught me? And I thought, this is children. You know, <laughs> they're teaching this to children. Man, adults yeah. could live yeah. by this. And that's kind of the uh, a version of the inductive Bible study. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the whole the, the whole yeah. inductive approach, um, which, which which I find fascinating. It's exactly where I'm at with this, uh, but not focused on the method as much as the attitude that that oh, approach sure. causes. Sure. Yeah, the the attitude causes um, an approach like that causes us to be humble and allow His word yeah. to speak to us. I, I love the, uh, the the scripture about it being doers of the word, not just hearers. And I. I I find myself praying that yes. a lot at the beginning of the and end of service because anyone can hear his word right. and it's going to have some effect. But if we want to be doers, that, that's yeah. that's a different thing. So what what is what, what is one thing that you see Christians in your church and your twenty two years doing that recommend they stop doing? Um, well, it would be neglecting the scriptures. Um, as what we've been talking about, um, and making making the Bible and the Scriptures a priority. Um, there's so much talk in our world today, and especially in our church world today, of you know God told me this or God told me that, and um, I feel like the Spirit is leading me in this direction. And I and I and I don't disagree with those. I believe God can do those things, but I think we should never that that should never replace the power that is in His His Word. Because everything that he, I feel like he's leading me to do, I should bring it back to the scriptures to make sure it's him. And then it's not something else that's leading me in that direction. And so instead of the idea of we can go around the Bible, we don't need the Bible. I think the Bible is what's essential. I mean, that's that's what the church is built upon. Um, you know, I, I don't want to take too much time with this, but I did just see here. I don't know if you saw it or not, Tom, but recently they... Uh, the Chicago statement on biblical inerrancy. There's an, yeah, the article, it came out this week because they they were saying it was 40 years since that took place. Basically what it was, and I didn't know much about it until I read it this week, but they said that there was a lot of questioning authority happening about 40 years ago. Two reasons they listed were Watergate and Vietnam. And so 
there was a common theme of question authority, question your leaders, because they didn't trust the government, they didn't trust. And so a lot of church leaders came together and said, you know what, because of this, we need to come up with a statement on what we believe about the Bible, because what's happening is that this is bleeding over into the church. The questioning authority is bleeding over into the church, and it's bleeding over into people are questioning the authority of God, and people are questioning the authority of the scriptures. And when I read that, I just thought, wow, yeah. that was 40 years yeah. ago. I'm thinking, my goodness, if if we need something like that yeah. ever, we need it today. But pe- people are even redefining what inerrancy means. Yes. Yeah, you have. A, and, 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 I, and I think that everyone, for some reason our, in our culture today, everyone sees themselves as an evaluator. I'll, evalu- I'll evaluate the sermon. I'll evaluate that TV show. I'll evaluate the movie. It's all up to my opinion. And the problem is people bring that same evaluation concept when it comes to the scriptures. Well, I'll, I'll evaluate that passage to see if I agree with it or not. Well, it's not up to your opinion. You know, it's it's truth that you need to submit to. But but it isn't it doesn't it go back to the very beginning with I, I will make myself like the most high God. Yes, that's where that's where rebellion all comes and from. It's You're just exactly that right. Our feelings on things dictates whether it's it's okay or not. Truth truth is secondary in the matter. Yes. Yeah, and and that is very dangerous because when we're doing that, we're pretty yeah. much playing God. And that that's dangerous if we're We're, we're play not very God. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I asked my wife and kids a lot. Could you imagine if I was God? And, yeah. So yeah, if, if I'd be interested in the the name of that study, the the kids study that you're you're doing, uh, we we had just done a, a teaching on how to to do inductive Bible study, just oh, good, for good. Our, our kids and the the kids in the classes that that we teach to try to because our our whole philosophy is, is is very similar to what you're what you're saying. We we try to arm, arm people themselves with the Word of God so that. It's not up to me to live their life. It's yeah. up to them to live their life with the Lord, through the Word, through His Holy Spirit. So yeah. again, if someone, if a pastor, someone looking for discipleship wants to find you, where, where can they find you? Well, um, on Twitter, um, at at of the Word is the handle on Twitter, and um, servants of Word at gmail dot com. Um, that's the only one that was available currently. So it's servantsofword okay. at gmail.com. Incorrectly at, at the beginning. Yeah. Servantsofword at gmail.com. Okay. Right. I, I saw yes. you on Twitter had a video. Any more videos planned? Yes. I'm planning on doing some videos. I'm hoping at, I'm hoping to do about pastor's Bible study once a month at least, if not more. And I'm also working on the idea of having a Periscope live video um, for pastors coming up here soon. Pastors can log into oh, wow. and we that, can just share great. together. Well, Chad, it was great talking to you. Hey, thanks for listening to Come Let Us Disciple, episode number three with Pastor Chad. I hope you enjoyed it. As you heard, Pastor Chad just has a heart for God's people and God's ministers and is reaching out trying to help and point them to the Lord. Pastor Chad is active on Twitter at of the word. What was really noteworthy to me is Pastor Chad and I are halfway across the country from each other, and we're at different places in our ministry. But our view on 
one, the, the problems that are facing the church and also the solution are very similar. Just first and foremost, the priority of God and the priority of God's word in our in our lives is so important. Who is our Lord and Master? And if God is our Lord and Master, God has given us an instruction book for how to live his life. Are we reading it? Are we reading it to be filled by God and to find the answers for life. There's lots and lots of people who are offering their answers to life. Our flesh points our flesh points us in a direction of different answers also, but only God has the truth, the way, the truth and the life. Jesus Christ and he he is explained to us through God's word. Of course we must be filled by the Holy Spirit as well, but it is God's word who gives us clear direction and against which we judge all things. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would ask that you go and give us a rating on iTunes or share it with your friends. If you like this sort of content, you could also head over to pastorunlikely.com where there's lots more in written form or join the community on Facebook. Just type in Pastor Unlikely and you'll come across it. I really appreciate you joining us and hope you have a blessed day. God bless you all.